on the Wake Up Radio. I am your host, Joel Saji. Make me free. Welcome to On The Wake Up Radio. You're listening to Make Me Free. This is your host, Joel Saiji. We want to shout out our producer, Sydney Ashby. You can call in live now at 844-818-4433. It is $2.99 per minute. You must be 18 years older to participate. You can catch replays here on OTW2, Google, and Apple Products, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and as well, iHeartRadio. Our new website is up, otw2.com, where it's free speech friendly, no censorship, and you can sign up today. Also, please donate to $5 or any amount, which will go directly to our airtime and as well as our website. It is a labor of love, but we still live in the cost of the world. Let's be honest. And if you appreciate the free content that's helped, please keep the message uncensored and free. You can donate through PayPal at onthewakeupradio at gmail.com. And again, that is on the wake up radio at gmail.com and we want to thank you all tuning in tonight our faithful and also those tuning in for the very first time we want to welcome you all to again the show make me free i say to all of you peace and blessings love and light again we have our special guest here with us tonight yusuf rahman suda life informalist life teacher truth seeker design architect spiritual guiding here with us tonight to give us a few more details on our topic and our topic pretty much states in the beginning of this show if you haven't tuned in to our direct website itself at ontw2 as well as on facebook but we will be speaking on tonight's topic continuing on we haven't won a damn thing and Yusuf. Yes, sir. We want to thank you for tuning in with us tonight. Thank you for your time. You're welcome. And as well, the subjects of the matters that you are bringing forth here tonight. Uh, we did speak a little earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we were talking about as well, along with that, uh, 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 the toxicity uh, within the police. Mm-hmm. We were also talking about uh, a list here. Uh, we were also talking about uh, the duties uh, for which they do serve the public. Uh, we also talk about uh, strange behavior patterns of said police in uh, situations that are presenting. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and for the listener, um, they may want to catch up to speed uh, in this. Um, can you probably just give them maybe a little insight on, on what a toxic behavior pattern um is directly uh, from someone that is maybe pulled over, in, for instance. Well, <laughs> to maltreat 
a citizen that has been pulled over for any reason with disrespect as if the person that has been pulled over has been accused of a crime simply because you stopped them even if you're giving them a traffic ticket that person is to be treated as a citizen that means if you have a reason for stopping them tell them the reason that you stopped them require the proper documentation from them their license their registration all of that's fine but the person is to be treated with respect and with honor because you are suggesting and informing them that you pull them over and tell them why that is to be done with courtesy you are to protect their rights legal rights uh if you're going to issue them a ticket issue the ticket that's fine toxic behaviors to treat them with abuse to treat them as if they are a suspect or as if they are criminal and or the possibility of harming them should not ever occur now many people have been stopped by police officers for per our conversation earlier if you have two officers in a vehicle normally one will come to the window <clears throat> the other one will stand behind on the right side of the car to observe the occupants and see if in fact there's something supposedly suspicious going on or suspect in some form or some fashion nothing's wrong with that but the behavior becomes toxic when in fact you insist that the person is treated as suspect they must put their hands on both hands on the wheel or they must put both hands out of the window all of that is an indication of a police officer that's frightened he suspects that his safety is under threat his partner is surveilling the car as if his partner's safety is under threat but all of those things create a toxic environment which is why some young men are been killed now I've watched videos where a young man was told by a police officer that he's been pulled over. The young man gets out of the car. The police tells him where's your license. The young man turns back around to go get his license. Per the instruction of the police officer, and the police officer actually shot him. Now all those things that is toxic behavior. Discourtesy is toxic behavior. Suspecting the citizen of a crime is toxic behavior any of those things are toxic behavior because it means that the police officer one is poorly trained he's also frightened and he's suspicious of the person who needs pull over now that's in a traffic situation there are many situations of which many of us have experienced which indicate the discourtesy of a police officer the fear of the police officer the lack of good training of the police officer etc our conversation earlier today I indicated to you that oftentimes police officers are chosen um who have little or no training poor training legally they do not know the law they do not know the laws that they are enforced many of them have difficulty reading many of them are poor uh, students in school yet they're given responsibility to enforce law much of which they may not know anything about they've had poor training very few of them 
have read a legal document or can read a law book and have very scant training in the field of law enforcement, not to mention firearms training, combat training, how to disarm someone without hurting them. Now, if those tra- if those trainings are a part of their job, yet they receive them, um, receive poor training or very little training, then they heighten the possibility of a police officer feeling frightened. Also, he's a human being. He, in turn, or she, do not have the necessary training, do not have the necessary skills, do not have not put in the necessary time to get the skills that are needed, as well as the legal training that's needed to inform a citizen of their quote-unquote legal rights. All of those things create a toxic environment for the civilian as well as the police officer. And in that as well, um, as we're covering part two of uh, We Haven't Won a Damn Thing, but in... uh, in light of this new day, um, why are we expecting fairness from our adversary? If you can answer that in, in, to a degree. Well, that's a good question. Why would you expect fairness from your adversary? If police officers have been put into the neighborhoods to control the neighborhood, to control the occupants within that community, they act adversarial, they behave adversarial, the people in the community, particularly African people, are treated in an adversarial manner. Why would the persons who have been treated poorly expect or have confidence or faith, whichever you prefer to use, in a law enforcement body that has displayed nothing more than contempt for the community that they served? So why would you suggest that you should have faith or confidence in an adversarial relationship with an institution like the police who, in fact, suspect that you've committed a crime, particularly if you are a person in an African body? That doesn't make any sense. You, An adversary, by its very nature, is someone that you have opposition with, issues with, or problems with, i.e., another name for adversary is enemy. So why would you have faith in your enemy? Mm. Why would you expect fairness? How can you expect justice from someone that automatically suspects that you've committed a crime if they stop you? I've had young men that I have I, that are part of my training uh, course who are younger than 10 or 12, stopped by police officers, and in fact told that they have to put their hands on the car, they have to be searched, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that creates an atmosphere of distrust with the very person whom you consider to be someone that you should be able to trust or call upon for services in the event that your life or your safety is threatened. That is an adversarial relationship when you cannot have confidence or trust in the very police officer who happens to carry a Glock or whatever the firearm is, including a taser, including handcuffs, including an additional sidearm that may or may not be visible. So why would you trust your adversary? Good, good point. Um, of this toxic uh, behavior, uh, it was recorded 
and many times before, but still, you know, I think this is one of the latest where it's actually defined uh, from a group of uh, toxic police that have this group called Shadow Moses. Uh, they're affiliated out there in Wilkinson County, Georgia, uh, where they have a, a defined term for uh, this toxic behavior. It's called a uh, sweet stress relief. Uh, and okay. in, the, in, the, in, the, in, in this sense, uh, the sweet stress relief comes in the fact of um, uh, being approached by a police officer and yanked out uh, against your will. Uh, the recent uh, murdering of George Floyd and that toxic behavior where uh, the guy just blatantly just killed the man on camera. Um, you know, we have this thing now where they're calling this sweet, uh, sweet stress relief, where they actually... Uh, they get the sensation or uh, or relief feel from causing or killing or causing bodily harm to us in those instances. Well, it sounds like um, to me, I know nothing about that particular phrase. But when you take the geography of Georgia, as if somehow Georgia has a special way of dealing with, I gather, many African people or suspects, whatever the case might be. Maybe it goes beyond um, ethnicity. Los Angeles, California is one of the worst possible places that a person can be pulled over for a traffic violation, not to mention any kind of supposed offense. Because Los Angeles at one point in time actually would hire police officers from southern regions to handle their quote-unquote, as they would say, their nigger problem in California, particularly in Los Angeles. Now, sweet stress release seems to indicate that the police officer takes the opportunity to assault and, uh, a person, a supposed suspect, and relieve the tension by abusing or beating up that particular supposed suspect to get rid of the tension that he or she might be be uh, experiencing uh, because of their day or because of the circumstances of their week. So they relieve all the tension by assaulting a supposed suspect. Now, these things come uh, seemingly come from the idea of the blue wall, that blue wall having to do with police officers tend to have a culture of their own, but they do not uh, say anything about the abuse that their partner has heaped upon another uh, person. Or they find some degree of pleasure or relief in assaulting a person. And they're using, utilizing their position as the police officers and the authority as police officers to abuse a suspect. So it's like, um, oh, let's, let me beat him up so I can get rid of all of this tension that I've been carrying on. And say so they use their position to exercise that kind of authority and those kinds of assaults on uh, people and citizens. You, you would say that behavior comes back from chattel slavery, though, wouldn't you? Well, that behavior is an extension of a continuous treating of people like realize that a lot of police officers have no idea about chattel they may not even understand the definition of the word chattel behavior let's let's put it this way 
you know, there's a there's a story about a family that had a they used to cook their ham. They cut off, they get a ham and they want to cook it for say a holiday. They would cut off both ends of the uh, ham. And you say, well, you watch that happen. And there was an instance where someone said, well, why do you cut off both ends of the ham? Well, we cut off both ends of the ham because that's supposed to make the ham taste good. Okay. All right. Well, that's been going on for generations. Now, they don't know why the ham is being cut off from both ends. It's just that since mom did it, mom saw grandma do it. Mom saw grandma saw her mom do it. Her grandmother's mother saw her mother do it. So it was assumed that the reason that the ham need to have both ends cut off was because that made the ham taste better. Well, no one seemed to recognize that the reason that the ham was being cut off at both ends because the person who initiated the activity didn't have a pan large enough for the ham that they started 10 or 15 generations ago. So it had nothing to do with cutting the ends of the ham to make the ham cut off better. Generationally, people make the presumption that that was the case, not realizing that the person who initially started cooking ham just never had a pan big enough. So behavior, generational behavior, is a rather interesting phenomenon or occurrence simply because people never understand the reasoning. So very few police officers may understand what chattel slavery was or what chattel is. They won't know. But the abuse that is caused in the blue wall, the blue code of police officers, is a continuous generational activity that has been handed from through the institution of policing and law enforcement. So people find that they treat people a certain way because that's the practice. They don't know why the practice is there. They just practice it because that's the way you treat Hispanic people, or that's the way you treat Chinese, or that's the way you treat the person if he's white. If you recall, the young Caucasian young man that that went to the service the, the church killed nine people. The police captured the young man. He wasn't killed. Captured the young man and then took him to get a hamburger. This is a young Caucasian guy. Whereas mm-hmm. George Floyd and other men outside of a store was assaulted, pinned down, threw down, and this man was subsequently killed. Now, what is the difference between the two? One young man killed several people within the church. This man killed no one and, in fact, was said to have had a counterfeit $20 bill and the, subs- the result of a counterfeit $20 bill that he, in fact, was, was killed. And there has to be an adjudication to prove that the police officer was guilty of a crime. And the problem was that the police has what I mentioned to you last session is qualified immunity. And that qualified immunity protects the police officer from the possibility of a criminal charge because nothing should interfere with the police officer doing his duty. So if you look, Google it, since everyone has a phone that has a phone, and there's a handheld computer, a handheld computer, it's not a phone. It's a handheld computer that has an application for calling someone. 
but it's not a phone. That is not its major function. It is a handheld computer of which you can access any information that you want if you want the information. Like you don't have to go to the library. You don't have to pick up a, big, a, a dictionary to find the meaning of a word. If you have a iPhone, you can ask Siri, and Siri will get the, get the definition for you and provide you with a written explanation or definition of the word. So you have a handheld computer. In addition to a series of other, you can watch television, listen to radio. You can do all of that on your handheld computer. It does, however, have a phone application. Mm -hmm. You tend to call it a telephone, though it's a handheld computer. Now, the reason I mention that is because the public seems to operate very short-sighted in terms of what's possible for it to learn, how it can use instruments, how it can use the instruments to improve their knowledge about things. So if you want to understand what qualified immunity is, ask Siri. Get on your phone, put, put it in Google. It'll answer and let you know why police officers have and when they begin to have qualified immunity and why they have qualified immunity. So police officers stand above the law because, by virtue of the fact that the federal government instituted a law of qualified immunity. Stated here, qualified immunity is a judicial document uh, created by the su Supreme Court that shields state actors from liability for their misconduct, even when they break the law. Under this there doctrine, government agents, including but not limited to police officers, can never be sued for violating someone's civil rights unless they violate clearly established law. While this is amorphous, uh, malleable standard, it generally requires civil rights plaintiffs to show not just a clear legal rule, but in prior case with functionally identical facts. That's right. So the one person in a situation involving police, the one person that you truly have to prove is guilty is the police officer, even though the evidence demonstrate that the person who's dead did not have a firearm, there was no assault, etc. It's just that the police officer feared for his life. Now, how do you fear for your life if someone is running 20 feet from you or five feet away from you? How can you fear for your life while the person is trying to escape from you? How can you fear for your life? Think about the, the logic and the good sense of that. But if a person, a young man, shot in the back, mm -hmm. police officer can say, I feared for my life, so I shot him five times. One young man in Chicago was shot 14 times. And you're going to tell me this collection of police officers feared for their life? And none of those police officers were brought to trial. None of them. Fred Hampton, none of those police officers and people who committed the assault, Chicago police officers, including persons that are part of the FBI, no one has ever been held accountable for the criminal act of assassination of those young men. It hasn't happened. All of that's because of qualified immunity. I'm saying that is an adversarial, obvious adversarial assault on a citizen just because you dislike his politics. There is no reason to assassinate that person 
but worse still, no one is held accountable for that assault. With the police now not required to do any reevaluations once they are hired, don't you think it's probably best that we try to do some type of evaluation after a said period of time, just like they do like driver's license or any other license that you may get? Well, the logic, of course, says yes. But when you're hiring the least qualified person to do, to perform, let me say, one of the most difficult jobs is law enforcement. Law enforcement officers or personnel are crisis-oriented professions. That is, if they get a call of some emergency of some kind, that emergency, that situation is an indication of a crisis, something that needs attention. We do not know what kind of attention it may need. If it is a domestic situation, fight between a husband and a wife, that can be the most dangerous situation. Because if the police officer goes there to prevent a situation occurring between the husband and the wife, and they begin to arrest the husband or the wife, the person who may have called them for their assistance will also be the person that they will find is now their adversary. The wife calls on the husband and a police officer wants to arrest the husband, let's say. Then the wife, in fact, oftentimes will become a person against the police who has come there to aid them. So the police officers, as human beings, are always operating in crisis. So everyone around them is a possible suspect, and they normally, as a standard procedure, go into a situation, arrive at a situation, a scene, with great caution because they have no way of knowing how that situation is going to turn out. No way of knowing. That's very stressful for a human being to engage in. Add to that poor or no training. Add to that a lethal weapon. Add to that a poorly trained person with a lethal weapon. Add to that a poorly trained person with a lethal weapon who may go to a firearm range every now and again just to qualify, but is a poor shot, has no sense of restraint in using the firearm. So when he, in fact, approaches a dangerous situation pull his weapon out of fear, his automatic reflex is to shoot to kill. Why? Because he's never been trained to shoot to wound. Never. He has a lethal weapon that one bullet in the chest of a human being or in the head of a human being will kill them. To assure that a person is dead or stopped, he will fire at the person three or four times in the center mass. That center mass means in the chest. The largest portion of his body is in the chest. Rarely is the person shot in the leg. Rarely is the person a a nightstick thrown at a person's leg to prevent them from running. Very few times are there tasers used. Recently, a woman, police officer, shoots a young man saying she thought it was a taser. I'm saying all of these things are an indication of poor training. All of these things are also indications of reactionary behavior on the part of police officers under fear because they're constantly managing crises. And that has to do with the manner in which they're trained. 
If a police officer cannot engage in a physical dispute with someone and has inability to get, engage in a physical dispute with someone as opposed to a lethal situation, he or she should not be a police officer. Should not be. Stand because your job is not to kill. Your job logically is to restrain because once you arrive at a scene and you suspect that the person who's committed a crime is the criminal, your job is also to protect the criminal from further harm and deliver that supposed suspected criminal to jail safely, unharmed, not bloody, not with gunshot wounds, not having to call the ambulance to take them away. Your job is to deliver that person safely because now that person is to be treated as a citizen and that person needs your protection as a police officer. That's your job, not to tear their head off. Very well point taken. We come now um, to the area of destroy and rebuild. In the case of destroying, uh, I mean, as far as the uh, the white mentality, the programming of such, the misinformation that have, we have been fed over the course of years, a lifetime rather, um, uh, the coonish behavior that we are so patterned uh, to be associated with, uh, and to rebuild uh, the mind in a more uh, a constructual uh, spiritual form. Um, I know that we talked about, uh, uh, you know, black men should be having discussions on doing uh, and achieving as opposed to just gathering around um, and just talking, coming up with more basically solutions to help our cause. Can you elaborate on that just a little bit more? Every group of people would like to be treated honestly and fairly. African people in this country have never had an instance where they've been treated honestly nor fair. Black codes are still on the books. You can't be out at night. Codes against reading books, codes against education. All of these are black codes of various kinds throughout various cities in various states. Those codes was to, con to contain and control the presence of African people because African people were brought here as property to do one thing, to work. That is why George Washington, Alexander Hamilton, all the other gang of founding bandits decided that they would allow African people to be counted by three-fifths of a man. The reason for that was the areas, the states, the subsequent states, could be counted as a part of the census. With, for every person, that person would be counted as three-fifths of a man. So every five Africans would be counted as three. That's what that meant. For purposes of censorship, taxation, so that they didn't have to acknowledge, that is, the founding fathers, the, the plantation owners, did not have to acknowledge the humanity of the African, but they could count their bodies 
for the sake of taxing, that is, receiving income for the state for the presence of those bodies, but every five of them would only be counted as two. That is an indication that they never accepted the idea of the humanity of African people. The idea of voting and the restrictions of the Africans was never considered until the idea of potential reconstruction. Now, since this last election, which happened in 2020, because of the orange person, the 45th president, Donald Trump, raises the issue that somehow paper ballots should not be honored. Well, people must understand there was a point in time when African people could not vote prior to 1964, when the vote was taken away as a result of Reconstruction after the Civil War, that entire period of time, the South and the North, and don't want, people should not believe that only these things happen in the South, these things can happen every state in this union in some form or some fashion to restrict the voting strength of African people. There are things like gerrymandering. That is, gerrymandering is changing the geographical boundaries where black people might live and changing those boundaries so it would minimize the number of people in a given region, number of black people specifically in a given region, so those regions would not have the voting power to swing the vote to the Republican, Republican or the Democratic Party, depending upon who was running. There were also... Uh, poll tax. You had to have had to have paid a certain amount of money in order to have the right to vote. Well, that was really interesting since black people didn't make a lot of money. So if the poll tax meant that you charged five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars before you could vote, well, if you didn't have the thousand dollars, you didn't have the right to vote because you didn't pay your poll tax. There are also instances where large jars would have uh, jelly beans in it. And the person comes to vote, says, I want to vote. You can vote if you can tell us how many jelly beans in the jar. You can vote if you can tell us how many bubbles are in a bar of soap. All of those things are actually factual, even though they sound comical, but they're actually true. Those Correct. things did happen. Now, I'm saying to you, all those things indicate there's never been a desire on the part of the mainstream to, in fact, give African people the right to vote in a situation even though they did not have to necessarily be a part of either party, or if they were a part of either party. There's a very interesting thing also when you realize that most African people were Republican. Since the Emancipation Proclamation, which was an executive order, it's not a part of the Constitution, it was an executive order by Abraham Lincoln. I think I explained last time that that was an effort on the part of Abraham Lincoln giving instructions to Sherman telling him that each plantation that you go to, as you go through these regions to rid the South of its manpower, where there were Africans enslaved there, released them, and that in turn emancipates them. Therefore, let them go. That posed a specific problem because it was not a constitutional mandate that was passed by Congress, it was just simply an executive order, the same kind of executive order that Trump would sign to give his cronies freedom 
from execution for the crimes they committed. Nothing more than the executive order. There's a complaint on the part of Dr. Umar Johnson. Why didn't Biden, for example, sign an executive order freeing or making it illegal to kill African people? He did it for the Asians, but why didn't he do it for the Africans? An executive order is just an executive order. It is not necessarily a mandate passed by the Congress. We must understand the politics of that which we're engaging in and understand the reason why things are done and why they are not done. If we do not understand those things, then we're constantly having conversations that are irrelevant conversations simply because we do not understand the context and the reasoning behind those things. The reasoning behind these things have to do under no circumstances has the country from the Congress, that is the Senate, as well as the House of Representatives, ever been favorable to the voting rights of African people in this country. It is always a contest by which the African people are struggling against or struggling for. You speak upon uh, you speak of life is a progressive responsibility. Uh, yes. Through understanding, uh, yes. communicating, and changing yes. the way you move about. Yes. Uh, can you elaborate uh, in contrast to what you just spoke about in relation to the two? You know, this planet is made up of a lot of living things. People just happen to be a small percentage of the living things that's on this planet. People are, again, a small percentage of the living things that are on this planet. People have to be taught. As our conversation earlier today, I explained. People have to learn language in order to follow instructions. No one comes here knowing the language that they subsequently are going to learn to speak. That is why there are Chinese who speak Chinese. There are Chinese who speak Mandarin. There are Chinese who speak Cantonese. China is 54 different provinces. Each one of those provinces have a different dialect of language. Not all Chinese speak Mandarin. Not all Chinese speak Cantonese. They speak a variety of a lot of dialects. But you will find that the major language that might be used on mainland China, on the mainland of China, will be Mandarin. But there are, no, there are 54 different dialects that are outside of Mandarin that's being spoken. Each of the kids had to learn those languages as handed to them from their parents. We speak a foreign language. African people in America speak a foreign language. This is not an African language that I'm speaking. This is English. Every language is named after the territory of which the people come from. If African people in this country believe that they speak a non-foreign language, they are deluding themselves because there's not one African in this country that's English. Not one. Now, if that's true, and that is true, the languages that are spoken on in Africa are African languages. African people in this country do not speak an African language. In fact, if you've ever watched the movie Roots, 
one of the things that was beat out of Toby was the idea that his name was Kunta Kente. Mm -hmm. So they beat him to he had to say his name was Toby. Why? Because if you kept beating the man, at some point he's convinced if he has to change what he replies to as his name in order to stop getting hit with a stick or hung or shot or branded, he is going to do out of survival, change what he says, even though he knows what he says is not true. Now that is a fact. Why is that important? Because in order to change the direction by which a people find themselves functioning, they must you must change their way of thinking. You must change what they input as a part of what they do or don't do. You must change what they think in order to change their behavior. So the opposite is true. In order to change behavior, you've got to first change the way people think. If we think that it's okay to believe that somehow there is such a thing as immaculate conception, that being that somehow a man will come back to this planet and save the lives of people, and he was not born by the penetration from another the woman was not penetrated sexually by another male, but it came by way of God, that perception is a silly perception to have since there have been maybe, let's say if we like, 20 billion people on this planet since the progression of the population of the planet, and not one of those males or females ever came to this planet without sexual activity happening between a male and female. But we want to accept the idea that it might have happened just one time. That's foolish thinking. Now, someone has asked me in the past, well, can you prove it didn't happen? That is the point. The point is, can you prove it did? And the point is, if you believe that it did happen, but yet there's no proof that it happened, then you're fantasizing about something and taking it as a belief rather than looking at it in a logical, sensible way because you're not employed thinking as a part of what you understand in view of evidence. There's no evidence that anyone could ever be born without there being a sperm and without there being an egg, and those two things come from two genetically different sexes, one male and one female. It does not happen. But if you want to believe that, you can, but that doesn't make it true. Why do I say this in answer to your question? Because in order to improve the quality of life of people, you must change the quality of their reasoning, the way they think, what they do and what they don't do. If you are a smoker of drugs of any kind, and that is something you do on a regular basis that you don't have to do, and you're going to suggest to me that you think better by doing so, I know you out of your mind. Now, why do I say that? It's actually very simple because your mind is the best and the best, the very best thing that you have is your brain, i.e. in your mind. It's a part of emanates throughout your entire body. If you use that capability that it can afford you, there's nothing that you can't do. And you cannot improve that by altering the state of your thinking because you don't know what you're trying to improve. You have no way to turn it in a direction because you involve yourself in drugs, you cannot turn it in a direction that's a better direction since you don't know how it operates in the first place. 
Mm. You may think it does, but if you could think, you wouldn't be doing what you were doing. You can't tell me by beating up on your feet somebody will run better. It ain't going to happen. You can improve the condition of your body by exercising. You can improve the condition of your mind by learning. The capability that you have is unlimited. If you use that unlimited ability and focus it, that is how you achieve getting through your day. You have a goal of getting through the day. You have a goal to be an architect, an engineer, a scientist, a police officer, a doctor. Once you turn your attention to those achievements and you sit and learn the necessary information to cause that something to happen, you can't prevent it from happening as long as you're willing to put in the energy to achieve that objective. That's the capability that you have. If you want to alter that capability, you can, because you're entitled to do to you what you want to do. But when you get in your own way, you're going to stumble over yourself. When you try to get away from yourself, I'll guarantee you, wherever you go, you will be there when you get there. But you cannot run away from you. And people are very good at getting in their own way. They do it wonderfully. I want to touch on, uh, again, uh, why are we expecting fairness from an advocate, uh, adversary? Uh, but you stated here also that really we can't because they know who they are because they wrote the laws. And then with yeah. the law, I want to state this. Uh, the And I kind of looked this up in uh, uh, Kilimanjaro's uh, book outline on mm-hmm. page 122 uh, where yes. he writes uh, the final solution of the black problem uh yes. obsolete, obsolete obsolescence uh permanent yes. unemployment closure of schools yes. and yes. other technical uh, educational institutions homelessness yes. Uh, yes police terror drugs prisons for profit workforce uh ultimately uh genocidal uh extermination of the african population similar to those uh of the jewish holocaust but you were calling it last week the african holocaust yes All of those things that Dr. Kilimanjaro points out are the logical conclusions that one has to assess based upon the behavior that's being demonstrated by a country in reference to its citizens and those supposed, quote-unquote, quasi-citizens who are called African people. It took, it took, <laughs> see, the interesting thing, the African comes to the United States in Africa. Shortly after he gets here, he becomes everything but an African, and only as a result of the affirmation of the last or the first, if you like, quote-unquote, black president who has a pedigree that his father was from Kenya and his mother was Caucasian. And because he has a similar pedigree of many African people in this country, then the African could say and accept the idea that he, the Africans in this country, who normally would call themselves black people, they could accept the idea that they must be from Africa because they had a president who was from Africa, because his father was African. So therefore, we too must be African, and we are not Negro, we're not Afro-Americans, we're not coons, we're not niggers, we're not any of those things. We're not Negroes. We are Africans and always have been, and that is a alteration of truly who we actually are, because the word African is not an African word. Mm-hmm. It is a Greek and Romanesque word, meaning the blackface, 
those persons who had black faces who were non-Roman or non-Greek. So we, like the natives of this country, were called Indians. Listen, this is not India. This country has never been India. How did these people get the name Indian? Because, as I mentioned last time, a supposed explorer who was an idiot traveled to some place that he thought he was and he was not, ended up in the place that he didn't get to but thought he was there, ended up calling the people here Indians because he was thought he was in India. So the same thing has happened. You got the most ignorant body of human beings on the planet throughout the course of history determining what the standard of knowledge is and the criteria for knowledge is. That's the largest body of ignorant people in terms of their longevity on the planet, in terms of their history, determining what knowledge is and what the standard of knowledge is on the planet. That's insane. And again, I keep coming to the insanity because you're allowing the persons who have the least amount of understanding determine what the standard of living ought to be and the quality of ethics ought to be, the quality of integrity ought to be, the quality of honor ought to be, or what responsibility is and what accountability is. That is why people who do horrible things are much more successful than those persons of goodwill. That's why the young man who does his homework and he gets A's in school, the students don't like him. He's considered the nerd because persons who do things audibly with goodwill will always be beat upon by those persons who are ignorant and stupid. So it's not safe for good people to do good things because they're looked upon as being not so good by those persons who are less bright and crazy and stupid. So stupidity becomes the hallmark of the standard as to which the society should function by, as opposed to ethics, honor, integrity, accountability, and responsibility. That's backward. It is. It is. And, and with that, you said uh, as well that we were trained to think badly, uh, expecting our adversaries to be fair when we have black men crying for their sons being slain uh, yeah, that's part of a conversation we had every day at, earlier today. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. doesn't matter if a, if a person has a badge, that doesn't give them the authority to kill your child. There's no authority that comes from a person cre creating the criminal act simply because he has a shield on his chest or a gun on his side. doesn't matter. That is not a license to kill. And if it is a license to kill, man to man, that's insane for you to accept the death of your child simply because the man has a gun or that he has a badge. And we know that those people are being tucked in every night by the said U.S. Constitution uh, to sleep comfortably in their domain. Every nation has, as a nation, adjudicates and decides how it wants that territory to function. Mm -hmm. This country dislikes quote-unquote socialist or communist governments because what they do <clears throat> is not consistent with what this country considers to be democracy. But the countries have a right and a responsibility to carry out what they consider to be that which will improve the quality of their life. They do. 
Now, and they can enforce that law, which is why most countries have armies. Most countries will have some way of law enforcement. It might be, they may not have a police department. <clears throat> they may just have an army. But if you can enforce the law against people who are weaker, then that enforcement gives you the power to carry out the mandate per the instructions that you offer it. Adolf Hitler is just simply an example but you can go out through the course of history and find that in France, in England, if you look at the history of the countries, look at Spain, the conquistadors was nothing more than a body of bandits, a body of thieves and murderers mandated by the king to go take. That is how this land was taken because it was mandated by the king of Spain through Columbus to go and take with the support of the church to take any and everything that you want in the name of God and the king. That's just a point of fact. So we read the history, but we don't understand what we're reading. That means we don't understand what we think we understand. And if that's true, we're learning the language, but we're not learning how to use information to think with and or to solve problems. Because to read and not understand is not to read. That's simply to call out words. If the words that you're reading does not inform you as to the usefulness of the something that you're learning, then you haven't learned anything by reading the words because you don't understand what you're reading, therefore you cannot apply it. So if you want to improve the quality of life of people, you have to improve the quality of their ability to think and reason and solve problems, and particularly the ones that cause them pain and suffering. If you have a car and you don't know how to change a tire, you're in trouble. Or stuck. Use it. Yes, sir. Five, maybe ten years from now, someone listening to this tape, what direct message should they be getting from us right now? To learn how to think to learn how to take responsibility for their behavior, their sense of ethics in reference to keeping their word to themselves, keeping their word so that if you give it, that's the most, <laughs> the most precious thing that you can offer is give your word and keep it. If you can't keep the word, don't give it. To look after your family, to understand that your family is an extension of you. What do you teach them? Know what to teach them, but know how to learn yourself. Take responsibility for learning and also teaching and instructing and taking responsibility. Have a sense of integrity, meaning that you cannot be scattered all over the place. You must be a person that keeps their word and honor their word to themselves and to others and protect your family. Look at the community in which you function and do what's necessary to make that community function sanely, responsibly, protect the people in it, have good relationships with the people within that community, adjudicate the crimes that are perpetrated within the community. You are not going to get the police to get drugs out of the community. That's really not their job. It's the job of the people in that community to get people out of that community who want to create crime within that community and adjudicate those matters however they need to be adjudicated so those criminal acts do not continue to happen 
within the confines of the territory that they call their community. You speak of honor, you speak of integrity, yes. uh, you speak of fairness, yes. and when uh, the black, quote-unquote, black man, black woman is not get, getting that, um, we have a hard time of saying no. Yes. Uh, in regards to being honored, in regards to being respected, in regards to being looked at uh, with definition. Uh, can you explain that and why it's so hard for us to say no and, and get that respect? Uh, I think the word that I'm looking for now is uh, they stole it, you must return it in regards to Richard Williams' book. Well, we are people. We are the parents of every race of people on the planet. We have more than 30,000 years or better of civilization, well in advance of any other group of people on the planet that has been disjointed, torn apart, disintegrated, for a variety of reasons. But all of those reasons in many ways point back to us. We're generous people. We've given away our lives. We've given away our territory. We've made available to others around us out of generosity of committing the crime against ourselves. Simple being, if you give away everything and you do not require anything in return for the something you give away, you will end up without. If you take from others, you end up being a criminal. So either way, if you give away anything, I call it the criminal's the, the, the criminal generosity. If you take everything, that's a bandit. The universe requires that you balance things. Simple to understand that we have a responsibility to ourselves to make certain that we perpetuate our lives by taking responsibility for the things that we create. We've allowed the European to be a bandit, a thief, a parasite, and he's been very good at it. She's been very good at it. The children are very good at it. To the point now, the people actually consider that they're entitled to rule, take, and pilfer anything they want from the planet. Now, proof of that, Commodore Perry went to Japan and took everything he wanted from Japan and told the Japanese, in fact, if they did not trade with Europe, in this case specifically America, that he would come back and perpetrate war against Japan. Now, that's historically factual. The British did the same thing in the war and what, was, what resulted in the opium wars. Britain went to China and told China, you're going to accept opium opium as a cash crop. If you don't, we, in fact, will exercise war against you. The British told the same thing of the French. The Germans told the same thing of the British. You are going to do business with us. If you don't, we're going to attack you. So when you watch movies like Robin Hood, when you watch Ruben uh, movies, you know, with uh, Mel Gibson, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, where you consider them to be uh, warrior movies, all these are movies letting you know that the history of people is to take things from other people 
not to get treaties with them, but to take those things. That is the nature of the people that you're dealing with because they feel that they're entitled to take. Great men do not kill people. Alexander the Great is no different from Alexander than from Adolf Hitler. Nothing's great about a person who goes to a place and conquers the people. You look at Spain and the, what happened to the Aztecs by virtue of the Spanish going and killing everybody they could see. Nothing is great about the Israelis going into the land that is now called Egypt and killing everybody in Canaan. That country was not called Israel, it was called Canaan. So the so-called persons who consider themselves to be now the chosen people of God killed everybody in Canaan. Everybody. Now that's not the sign of a great people, that's a sign of insanity. So when insanity becomes a hallmark of what one would consider to be justice, crazy is crazy. One cannot adjudicate, adjudicate craziness. Now I'm just saying we have to have an understanding of what's going on rather than to delude ourselves to believe something is true when in fact the facts sit right in front of us. How are you going to justify taking this country from a body of people who help the people as their host and then the person they help turn against the host? The natives of this country have the worst time in this country, suffer the highest counts of disease, their children, the highest counts of alcoholism, their daughters, the highest counts of physical assault in anybody. And the Africans here under the Buffalo soldier fought against those people to support the Europeans to conquer and take their land. And we do not think that that is an assault against humanity. We are responsible for that. And you're saying we have, I'm sorry, we just have to think. Yes. No, go ahead, finish. Just saying we have to learn how to think. Use our intelligence to solve problems. Take responsibility for what we have perpetrated against ourselves and certainly have perpetrated against other people. That we must do. No amount of intellectualizing will be forgiving of that. None. So definitely we need to achieve some results uh, and definitely take a stand in, in, in being honored. We have to take a stand of being honorable people. Mm-hmm. We don't have any friends on this globe. Not one. We have no friends. We've got to find a way to mend our relationship with ourselves, within our families, with our wives, with our children. We can't have a one-parent family. As I've said before, there's no such thing. It doesn't matter whether it's a man or it's a woman. The man and woman have to mend their relationships in an honorable fashion so that the family can't persist, so the children have examples, so that daughters have examples to choose through their father's image a man that's going to be consistent with the quality of life that they expect as daughters. The same thing is true with sons. He must be able to know how to select a wife and also be responsible to her and her to him. We must change the manner in which we behave with each other. We have to. Church is doing a rotten job of it. Mosques are doing a rotten job of it. Synagogues are doing a rotten job of it. Religious institutions have indicated they do not have the power or the know-how to make it possible for a family to be a family. They do not know how to do it. 
and the return of somebody back to this planet is not going to change that condition. It's not. Even the idea of thinking that someone is going to return back to this planet to save those who, in fact, have allowed themselves to become dishonorable people. It's not going to happen. You yeah. cannot undo the dropping of an atomic bomb on the Japanese. You can't undo that. You can't undo that. And if you think that somehow God will that to be the case, then we know that one thing you're operating by is stupidity. Not just not just poor ethics, stupid. If you say you want to attribute the way this planet is operating is under the mandate of God, you have a very, 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 very poor perception of what your God ought to be. And we're allowing the same situation to continue. We're perpetuating it. We're continuing it. We're pushing it forward because we keep carrying out the same policy mandates of ethics as if those ethics are, that has been implemented has shown that they cannot and do not work, we want to keep carrying those things forward. It's like the person with the ham. We're going to keep making, cutting the ham off, thinking that that's going to make the ham better. Just get a bigger pan. Correct. And expecting our adversaries to be fair, um, I want to point something out as well. We kind of like uh, did that at a real larger scale back in uh, actually May 30th, uh, prior, prior, prior to that, actually, uh, 100 years ago, uh, today, back in Tulsa, Oklahoma, a large-scale riot broke out, uh, later being described as the worst incident in racial violence in the U history of the United States. It's one of the most devastating events in 1921. Uh, they calculated maybe 100 to, to maybe 200 people may have been killed, but I'm pretty sure there was a uh, uh, around more definitely within that time there were a lot of people uh jailed they say at least six thousand uh in, in in retrospect to this so in trying to uh think that we will be treated fair in some regard there's only a, a perpetual history of us not being treated as such and i think this is why we're talking we are talking about this tonight to point out these clear facts of a better understanding and the way to improve the quality of life of the black man in, in, in a better thinking mode. The man has to take responsibility for, for being a man. If he doesn't know what it is, he has to learn from other men. <clears throat> plain and simple. It's, it's plain and simple. It's, what I'm suggesting to you is not hard. I think you said, uh, I think you said if you can dance, you can read. You should be able to. But if you learn how to dance, you certainly can learn how to read. If you're not spending any time learning how to read, and you spend a lot of time learning how to, to dance, you're going to be a good dancer, but you're going to be ignorant, stupid, and have no way of improving the quality of your life. You just be a good dancer. Wherever you put your attention, that's what you're going to excel at. Any closing thoughts before we uh, close out here tonight? Yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Trying to get people to understand. And thank you for that. You're very welcome. Thank you. And again, we just want to thank you again, Yusuf Rahman Suda, for giving us opportunity to understand and get a, a opening uh, to the 
quality of thinking with which we, we should be applying ourselves. Um, uh, go ahead. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, you're creating the forum. I'll do the best I can to contribute. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, with that being said, we want to thank you all for listening to Make Me Free. Shout out again to our super producer, Sydney Ashby. Tune in next week, Sunday, 10 p.m. to 10.30. We did a special segment tonight here for Mr. Rockman. Uh, you're listening to On The Wake Up Radio. I'm your host, Joel Saiji. You can catch me again here next week, Sundays, at this special time. You can listen to any feedbacks that we have on otw2.com. Well, we'll be having that up in a couple of days for listening purposes. And thank you again for our listeners for showing continued support and listening to us as well. Until next week, peace. Hey, Yurima Karama here with a quick infomercial, and I have a question for you. Are you tired of social media outlets that block real content? I mean, are you tired of your favorite internet truth teller getting blocked or put in fed book jail? Tired of making a comment and the algorithm quickly deems your comment to be offensive and takes it down? I mean, are you tired of making a post and a fact check pops up, making it look like your info isn't accurate and then it turns out that the fact check is actually the lie? Are you tired of seeing white people get by with racist commentary or post and they never get blocked, but unapologetically black truth tellers are always having their videos taken down? Tired of having to wait a month or seven days or 14 days for your favorite social media truth teller to get their page back up because white owned social media outlet owners take their content down whenever they feel like it. Tired of black people getting on white owned social media outlets and finding out that the outlet is making billions of dollars, but you don't get one red cent of that money? Well, if you're really tired, then you should do as I did and make the switch. Yeah. Come on over to otwtube.com where your content and comments are actually accepted. Also, get the Eurema Karam app where you can stay up to date on real truth that lamestream media intentionally hides from you. Come on over to sites that accept you being unapologetically black. I mean, come on over to sites that love you being free to express yourself. This is why I took my aboriginal indigenous melanated ass on over to OTWTube, because I recognize the importance of freedom of speech. I recognize that I would be doing my ancestors a tremendous disservice if I stayed a slave on social media outlets that want to dictate what I say and when I can actually say it. If you're tired like I am, then make the switch now to OTWTube.com and get the Yurima Karama app. Tap into the truth, because that's what you deserve. I am Yurima Karama, and I approve this message. Lord individual. Cindy Ashby Production. On the wake up.